Thanks for joining us today for another World Bank Teachers podcast episode. My name is Tracy Wilikuski. I'm an analyst in the World Bank's Global Knowledge and Innovation Unit. I'm a member of the Teach, Coach, and South Asia teams here at the World Bank. I'm fortunate to be joined today by our host, Dr. Christian Aedo, who is the practice manager of the South Asia region in the education global practice at the World Bank. We're also joined by Dr. Matthew Kraft, who's an associate professor of education at Brown University. Our distinguished guest today is Dr. Murad Ross, who's the provincial minister of school education for the province of Punjab in Pakistan. Good morning, Minister Ross. This is uh, Christian Ayel. I'm the manager of education. I think we met in Punjab uh, once. Yes, one time. How are you? Very good. Uh, very nice to be talking to you. Absolutely. Minister Ross, this is Matt Kraft. It's a pleasure to join you today for this conversation. I'm excited to have learned about the great work you guys are doing and contribute in any way I can. Thank you very much, Matt. So thank you for joining us today. We're here today because a few years ago, the government of Punjab, under the guidance and leadership of Dr. Ross, introduced a large package of education reforms. They included the introduction of a new classroom observation tool, which allows him to track and assess the quality of teaching in the classroom throughout his province. Punjab is the largest province in Pakistan. The province has 53,000 public schools that serve 12 million students, making the scale of the provincial-wide programs huge. And as you can imagine, Dr. Ross has his work cut out for him. Ensuring education quality represents an important challenge for the government of Punjab, but it's also a challenge in the rest of Pakistan as well. Today, approximately half of Pakistani students who complete five years of primary school are literate, and only 3% of those who begin primary school graduate from the 12th grade. Part of the reason for this is that teachers may not be well prepared to facilitate high quality instruction in the classroom. In fact, a 2018 World Bank survey found that less than 10% of teachers in Punjabi public schools use strong instructional practice. As a result of all of these challenges, Dr. Ross took it upon himself to transform Punjab's teacher support model. Previously, the support model was focused on content knowledge, using a cascade approach to train teachers on the curriculum. But now the support model is focused on teacher instructional practice and what actually happens in the classroom. It also uses innovative technology to reach teachers directly and provide more quality assurance to implementation fidelity. Teacher mentors observe practice in the classroom and provide tailored feedback on instructional practice to teachers. These observations are conducted using a local adaptation of the World Bank's Teach tool, which you can find in the episode notes. These classroom observations are combined with monthly face-to-face -face mentoring sessions, where school mentors observe teachers and provide tailored feedback to them. What's really impressive is that this program is operating at scale, which is a huge feat and not a lot of programs are doing this right now around the world. As of now, the mentors in the system conduct around 7,000 observation and mentoring sessions on any given school day, and teacher forums are conducted monthly when school is in session. The system is designed so that each of the 160,000 primary school teachers in the system is provided with support at least once a month. So to improve classroom practices of teachers, the Punjab government has acknowledged that mere observations are not enough. And partially as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic, they have developed a video-based mobile app for school mentors and teachers to continue to upgrade and improve their skills. The app includes 11 specific teaching practices that are aligned to the classroom observation tool, 
and contains information, videos, and infographics to help teachers improve their practice. The app provides teachers with the ability to self-study at home and is also complemented with those in-person monthly teacher forums so that they can get face-to-face feedback from their mentors. Thank you, Tracy. Minister Russ, a pleasure to be with you today. There are so many reforms that one can prioritize at a given time. Why was this reform on teacher policies and in particular on teacher practices in the classroom was a priority for Punjab? And what considerations did you and your team consider when designing this intervention? Thank you very much for inviting me to this conversation. We weren't even ready for all this technology to come this quickly and to adapt it that quickly. I think it was the pandemic, it was COVID that drove us to do things that we hadn't planned that in such a short amount of time we'll see these aggressive changes. The pandemic was the key. What used to happen was before we used to call teachers to district headquarters or to the main city, get them trained. And usually people were not taking them too seriously. They used to come meet. It was a meet and greet more than a teacher training program. So in the spirit of digital Pakistan, We wanted to bring edtech solutions to the table. And this was all planned, but not planned at the speed that we have done them at. The classroom observation tool was developed to observe teachers and give them feedback. So the class observation tool scores their pedagogy and content knowledge. Teachers are called to monthly forums where AEO's assistant education officers sit with them and they discuss their problem areas to constantly revamp teacher trainings and make them more effective. So when we did this ITSP program, I thought it was the best thing to do at the moment with the situation we're in. And I I could not believe how successfully it went. There were 100,000 teachers that completed their trainings. There were 140,000 app store downloaded. It was something that the teachers can do over and over and over again because they don't need to leave their place. They don't need to leave their home. They don't need to leave their school. It has no geographical boundaries anymore. Nobody has to wait in turn in line that, oh, now we have to go to the city or we have to go to the district headquarters to get trained or oh, this is our time. They can do it anytime. Anyone can access them at any time. That was the beauty of the whole program. And at the same time, we could see and monitor what the teachers were doing, what they're learning and the repetition of the teachers themselves going through this, I think that was the best thing, that they didn't have to wait, that, oh, when will our turn come? So I thought this was one of the best things that came out of the worst things that happened was COVID. So this was one of the best things that came out uh, for us, at least. Thank you, uh, Minister, and and thank you for uh, letting us know the context uh, of COVID, which has been very important, and also the innovative teacher support package. And for the audience listening, Punjab has 160,000 primary teachers, so the fact that you have reached 140,000 of them is a huge reach out with this innovative way of delivering the teacher training, make it more accessible, and then adjust it to online platform, which also has important cost savings on the side. Dr. Kraft's research focuses on studying and evaluating the effectiveness of these types of reforms, so we're also very excited to have him here today. In a recent paper, he assesses the effectiveness of a teacher evaluation reform as a mechanism to promote teacher to professional development through high-quality feedback. The study found that evaluators struggle to provide high-quality feedback and found little evidence 
training programs improve teachers' perceived feedback quality, classroom instruction, self-efficacy, or even student achievement. This illustrates the limits of using evaluation systems as engines for teacher professional development. He's arguably best known for conducting a 2018 meta-analysis of coaching intervention effects, which combine results from across 60 studies. The findings affirm the potential for coaching programs to improve the quality of teachers' instructional practice and student academic achievement, respectively. However, the findings also illustrate the challenge of taking such programs to scale while maintaining that level of effectiveness. Dr. Kraft, could you tell us a little bit about how systems can improve the quality of feedback they provide to teachers based on your research? Well, that's such a fundamental question because we know that teachers are so important for students' success. And we also know that many teachers, despite their best efforts, have great potential to continue to improve their practice. And so the question is, how can we support teachers to continue to improve their ability to deliver high quality instruction on the job? And if you look at the body of research evidence that exists about the long-term investments that districts uh, across the United States and in countries all over the world have invested in, the evidence is, is somewhat sobering and disappointing. And so more recently, we turned to look at one specific type of professional development, uh, coaching. That's not new or novel. There have been coaches in all walks of, of professional sports and you know, life it, in interpersonal relationships for, you know, millennia, but the operationalization of coaching in the teaching sector is a phenomenon that has only emerged in the last several decades. And what the evidence suggests is that not surprisingly, we can meaningfully drive quality improvement among teachers when they receive individualized feedback that is frequent, that is targeted to specific concrete skills, and that is contextualized in the context of the classrooms in which they teach. So there's there's really a lot of evidence to suggest that this is possible and, and frankly, quite efficacious, but it's also a somewhat costly investment because it's about having a uh, team of mentor teachers and expert instructional coaches to support that work. And so a lot of the tension in delivering these systems at scale is how do we do that in a way that is affordable without diminishing quality? And that's why I think this example in Punjab of scaling teacher observation and feedback is so important. Thank you. So let me just ask Dr. Kraft, what are the key considerations policy makers should keep in mind when trying to reform a system from one that solely assesses teacher performance for accountability to one that also provides high quality teacher professional development, being really personalized and skill enhancement? So there is an inherent tension in trying to have a system that both achieves evaluation, performance ratings that are used for high stakes decisions and one that delivers informative feedback to teachers and drives professional growth. 
that's not to say that there aren't systems that are able to achieve both of those goals through the same observation and feedback cycle. But I think that policymakers should be aware that doing both of them well within the same system requires a, a quite high bar of implementation. And the reason that is, is because inherently the process of ongoing professional improvement and growth requires a degree of openness and willingness to participate in change and be receptive to the feedback, to recognize strengths and weaknesses on the part of teachers, and doing so within a context that is also one that has consequences for compensation or even potential promotion or dismissal is is one in which it can set up the teacher to be defensive and kind of somewhat recalcitrant because of the stakes involved. And so that really requires a school leader to build an environment and a culture of trust where teachers are open to that process. And it requires, frankly, a high degree of skill on the administrator or instructional expert who is conducting the observations. And, and so I think it's advantageous to have an observer who may not be the primary person, for example, the school head, the, the principal, ultimately making the high stakes performance evaluation decisions. They might be informed by an external mentor teacher's ratings, but it's not that mentor teacher directly who's making those decisions. I also think that it's really easy for the mentor teachers or other administrators to have their time co-opted for other tasks and responsibilities. And so defining that role of a coach and protecting the time that they have so that they're not being pulled in to you know, be a substitute teacher when a teacher is absent or coordinate testing and deal with other bureaucratic administrative responsibilities. Because at the end of the day, observation and feedback is a really time-intensive process. And if we're going to do that with, for example, monthly cycles, then you can see how in practice, the frequency, the dosage of coaching may be eroded when coaches and teacher mentors and administrators' time is co-opted by these other responsibilities. Thank you. Let me go back to Minister Ras. What Punjab has done is really very impressive. The scale in which this coaching and then not only measuring teacher practices, but using that as a way of providing feedback is really, really amazing, the scale. So this has proven to us that professional development can be personalized, can be a skill enhancement, and can be done to scale. And then we are really showing what Punjab has done to other countries in the South Asia region and also broadly. What has been the challenges and the opportunities that has come up uh, with the implementation of such a reform at this large scale? What were some of the implementation challenges that you encounter through this process and how did your team address them? Our challenge was the lack of IT skills of some of our teachers. I think that was the most important thing in this whole thing because as you know that this came so suddenly and so abrupt this whole thing it was very like all right now we have to do this so it was like solve this by offering orientation lessons instructional videos constantly speaking to our IT teams about user-friendly interfaces for our teachers. 
This is one of the ways, a few ways that we did that. I think the interest of the teachers was also increased by this whole movement and this whole program because they knew now that they have access, they don't have to leave their homes. They don't have to leave the school. They don't have to leave their cities or villages and places. So they also showed interest when they saw that they could access this anywhere and at all times. But still, their lack of IT skills was one of the challenges that we had. The other challenge we had was lack of internet in remote locations. 180 million people have cellular phone connections in Pakistan. But at the same time, there are areas that you cannot get the internet connection still. So we're working on it. As you know, this all happened within the last year. So we're still working on expanding coverage to those regions. And innovation takes time and a lot more effort than what we expected. We're doing everything possible to get the coverage better as we move along. You brought the innovative teacher support package, which is this platform. It's been capturing lots of data and information on teachers at the individual level, at the district level. I think this is really fascinating. You are measuring teacher practices, which is the key for achieving student learning at the end, and also to better manage and develop teacher data is crucial. You are really capturing crucial data for the students. And, and thank you for identifying the key constraints, the lack of IT skills on the teacher side and the lack of internet connections in remote areas, because these are really issues that are present in all the countries in which we work. The digital divide and the digital skills also is one of the key constraints. Teachers are central in this process, and I hear from you that teachers have perceived this well, but I want to confirm this with you if you have had feedback from teachers on how they see the new way in which professional development is taking place in Punjab. The feedback is the key. You cannot make things better unless you get the feedback from exactly the person that is being trained. I think the key to the success of his whole program at the end of the day would be the feedback from the teachers and making those changes. If you don't change the things that you see that really make sense, the things that are going to be problematic later on, the constant feedback that we're getting and the changes that we want to make. And they're not major changes, they're slight changes. That's the thing that'll really make a difference. I have asked our team to focus on the repetitive issues that are coming. And I've asked them to deal with them, bring them to me. You have to focus on the changes that the majority is saying, because you can't listen to and make changes just because a few people are saying, because for their own convenience. No, I think we have to focus on the repetitive issues the whole team will sit down and see how we can make them better. I think the key uh, to our success is going to be we'll keep making the changes and we'll keep making it better and then we'll go from there. And we hope we get really good results out of this. And we are. What I see right now and the way I see teachers downloading it, I mean, 140,000 downloads, is it's a lot of downloads. And uh, 100,000 teachers have already completed it. That shows the interest of the teachers to be there and to do this. So I think uh, things are moving in the very, very positive direction. We're also adding life skills training and early childhood education for the ECE classes to these thematic areas for the classroom observation tool. As we move along, we're building a absolutely state-of-the-art data center for the department for the first time ever. It's a D3 level system that we're building and hopefully by the end of the year that should be ready. And in terms of other uh, impacts of these reforms, in terms of teacher attendance and uh, overall motivation of teachers, if you have had some feedback on that, that would be great to hear from you, uh, Mr. Minister.
Oh, absolutely. We have seen already the changes that it has brought in the teacher attitudes towards getting these trainings, getting these things done. We have seen the change because otherwise we would not expect that out of 160,000 teachers, uh, 100,000 have already finished their trainings and 140,000 apps have been downloaded. So I mean, a very positive response has come. Second of all, I think because of the IT skills, we're still moving along pretty fast at it, but I think we need to move a little faster. But I think once we get our data center in place by the end of the year, in the next three months, this will be a very, very rapid change. One of the struggles that taking this type of observation and feedback to scale has uh, hit up against in many contexts is finding enough high quality instructional experts to serve in the role of coaches and being able to fund their time, often taking them outside of the classroom. I'm curious how you approached funding the roles of these teacher mentors and finding qualified instructional experts to serve in those roles at such a large scale? Excellent question. The change that I've brought for the first time, it has never been done before, is hiring the trainers, the master trainers from the private sector as well. The government never used to use anyone out of the government sector and bring people from the private sector because in my opinion, the master trainers in the private sector, I think are better than what we have. So for the first time ever, 50% of the trainers were brought from uh, the private sector, which nobody agreed with me, but I had to do it. So I had to put my foot down on that. And it was an excellent mix because our trainers learned from them and those trainers, the private sector trainers, they learned from us as well. And because the private sector trainers had never worked for the government, they thought that it was an excellent system that we were working on. It's just that it needs a few uh, tweaks that need to be made and it'll be an excellent system. Now, one more step that I'm going to take in the next few weeks or next couple of months, I'm going to hire private trainers on a yearly basis that will keep training our teacher trainers at all times because it's not going to be a short-term thing. It's going to be a year-long exercise now because I think our trainers, uh, the government trainers, they need assistance in that. They need the new technologies, the, the new way of teaching, the new ideas, new everything. I think they need it from the private sector because our private sector is very, very strong. So I think that'll be a great help. So I think that is one of the key things that we need to do and we've done it and it worked really well with this time. Thank you. That's really an interesting innovation. What Punjab is doing is fascinating. We are already showing what you are doing in other countries in the South region. And Dr. Kraft, you have heard what Punjab has done, the challenges that they have gone through. And in your experience, what other systems have done something similar? What are the challenges that they have encountered? And then if you have evidence-based examples of how such challenges have been mitigated, addressed, or even turned into opportunities. Well, this is a scale at which high quality, frequent teacher observation and feedback really hasn't happened to a great degree in most places. I think there are systems that are written on paper that intend to deliver models that look like this, but in practice aren't often realized. And there are systems that are more narrowly focused on uh, a single annual observation and evaluation, such as the one delivered in the French public school system. And even that, there's some encouraging new evidence to suggest that even that single meaningful observation and, and 
post-observation feedback session, the observation lasting an entire day, can drive teacher improvement and that improvement is sustained. What I think we've learned from a number of studies of coaching and, and observation is that the rubric that one uses is really important. Using a rubric such as building on the, the teach observation tool that the World Bank pioneered and is being used across many different contexts now at scale, it is, it's essential because you need to have just a common language about what does high quality instruction look like and what is the target that we're trying to hit. And in addition to that, I think that being able to carve out opportunities to have a culture, an open door policy for teachers to observe each other, to feel not threatened by having someone come into your classroom. And that's something that I think is really hard to do because you can't pull a lever from the Ministry of Education that says now everyone's going to feel open to observation and a willingness to invest in a cycle of continuous improvement. That's something that has to be cultivated in a community of educators at the school level. And so I think that matters a lot about who we ask to lead schools and the examples they set in building shared communities of improvement and practice. Have you seen any impacts on other dimensions such as effort of teachers, presence in a school, time on task, and also motivation on the motivation side of this change in the way professional development is being done away from evaluation more into coaching? Do you see any other impacts as well on those dimensions? Well, I think teachers, and this comes from a body of of qualitative and case study evidence of high-performing schools and trying to figure out what systems are in place in those schools and how teachers narrate their experiences. And one of the things that you hear in the context of high-performing charter schools and, and traditional public schools in the U.S. is that teachers feel as though they are being supported to have uh, success, to experience success with their students. And in many contexts, teaching is not a highly lucrative job. It is a profession that attracts adults who are really motivated to make a difference in the world and to serve students. And, and when schools support teachers to experience that success through meaningful professional development and feedback, teachers are grateful. It, it feels as if their work is meaningful and it's respected and valued. And it helps to, I think, sustain their energy in a demanding profession and to increase their satisfaction on the job. Thank you very much, Tracy. So you have heard Mr. Minnesi and Dr. Kraft on the challenges and also the opportunities. If you can let us know what public goods are we development at the World Bank to help countries address these issues that has been mentioned. Thanks, Christian. We have recently launched our new coach program, which is really focused on helping countries improve the quality of in-service teacher professional development, building off the work of Dr. Kraft and, and a lot of other research who are in this space. And as part of this program, we've developed a series of tools and resources. You've probably heard about the Teach Classroom Observation Tool, but in addition to that, we are now developing specific in-service teacher professional development tools. And the goal is that these will give guidance to stakeholders on how to best design, develop, implement, and evaluate 
the quality of in-service teacher professional development programs and policies. So these tools and resources are currently out for consultation, and we strongly welcome feedback on our work, as this will help us to continue to develop and refine products that ensure their relevance and usability to country teams and task team leaders at the World Bank. We encourage you to share your feedback at coach at worldbank.org and to check out our website, which is in the notes. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to Dr. Ross for joining us today and also to Dr. Kraft and my colleague, Christian, for graciously hosting.